Hello and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This, where today we are joined by Eric Samdal. I've never pronounced your last name out loud. Does, does that yeah, right? Yeah, you did. Samdal. 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 Yeah. Samdal. Yep. Eric Samdal, um, who's a good buddy of mine, but Eric is going to explain to you how to use your intuition to make smart business decisions. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. We're a fan of smart business decisions, obviously, um, here, so I'm so happy we have you now. Um, Eric's actually uh, brought along a copy of his book, which I love. I want to recommend this to you guys. It's not just a journal or an adult coloring book, because you can and you should. Um, so, Eric, why don't we talk a little bit about how did you uh, how did you become somebody that explains to people about how to use their intuition for smart business decisions? So, Adam, this call came from right around the um, time where we met uh, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I just. I got to thinking to myself, like, what makes me different and why can I think around things differently? And I noticed you and I think very much alike. I'm like, how does he do this? And I had to look back in my life and find out that, guess what? I was using intuition. I didn't realize, realize what I was doing to make business decisions, to make decisions in life. And one of the things that I've noticed just before the pandemic was that there were so many people that were relying on so much data. There's so much data out there that we can choose and look through and lift and and really dive into that data. And one of the things that I noticed is the ones that weren't doing that were actually making better decisions. And I talked to a number of my entrepreneurial friends during the pandemic. And one of the things that I noticed after I'm like, why is your business, why is your business thriving? Why is it exploding? And the guy next to you isn't. And really what it boiled down to is that they had to get super creative in how they were doing business. And once they started doing that, things just really started happening. They were making faster decisions. Well, how do you make faster decisions? You don't have any data. During the pandemic, none of us had the data, how long it was going to last, what our businesses were going to look like at the end of the pandemic. Yep. And how do we get to those decisions and how do we make our businesses better? And after looking at that, I'm like, oh, this is really what it boils down to. And um, Adam and I were both in the same mastermind group. Um, he was one of the instructors. And I was just like, this is so good. And just being able to you know, listen to you and talk to you and really kind of get into some of those things, we kind of pick things apart. And how do we really make those things different? And how do we really get to our next level in business? Because we're all, we all go down rabbit holes. Well, let's, and, let, let's dig into this. To you, what is intuition and where does it come from? Like, how does somebody even know they can rely on it? So intuition is really that, you know, you call it the spidey sense. You were talking about this earlier when we were during, uh, during a break and about buying enough, that different piece of equipment. Intuitively, you knew you had to do that at some point, but you didn't cho- choose to do it until a certain thing. Well, it's there. You knew that this was eventually going to happen. And so when we start to be able to listen to ourselves and not go through so much noise because there's plenty of noise out there. We've got social media, we've got phones, we've got Slack channels. There's so much noise that grabs our attention. But when you get those business ideas, all of your entrepreneurs are sitting in an audience. You had an idea and you went for it. You knew it was gonna work. You didn't have any data really behind it. You just really had an inkling. It's like, you know what? 
I think this is going to work. How, how can somebody identify the difference? Because obviously my background's in psychology. I'm sure. working yep. through my master's right now. How can somebody identify the difference between a intuitive thought and an inner monologue? Great question. Thanks. Great question. No, it's being able to really like dive into what you do and what you know about yourself and then be able to really trust that, oh, here's one of those decisions that I made and let's go with another one and let's go with another one. I love that. Do you have, is there a formula or a system that you've developed to, to do that, to help people? Shh, I'm working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Yes, but it, yes, there, there's the, another book, the next book coming out is about the intuition effect, which is what that system is. Got so, it. So the comic book you've got, how does that work? How does that play into this? How does it work? So that book was a culmination of a lot of things that I do with my clients and other people. I'm like, oh, we have a problem with really, I had a problem with being able to be very intuitive. And so how do I really get even better than that? So there's the journaling piece. And quite literally, it's six minutes a day, three minutes in the morning, three minutes at night. We go through and have a little bit of introspection because as you know, You've been in this space long enough. It's like it's the mindset piece that differentiates. Yeah. And how do you take your mindset up the next level? You can look at ROAS. You can look at CAC. You can look at all of the different uh, KPIs. But how do you take your business to the next level? And it's really about you and how are you taking care of you in order to do that? I, I, I love this. So I think, um, you know, for, for everyone listening here, uh, obviously this this does, uh, one of the reasons me and Eric get on is because it does tap into things that are my expertise. Let's take a minute and let's talk about the inner voices in your head and, and really get some clarity around that. Um, you know, Freud, I think, said it best um, and is sort of like one of the, the experts in psychology on this, this, um, this area, which is psychoanalysis. Um, he explained that we essentially have three major voices in our head, which is the id, the ego, and the superego. Um, I like to rename them into words that people understand a little bit more intuitively. Uh, I like to think of it as uh, the yes voice, the no voice, and then the voice of your teachers, mentors, and parents. Mm -hmm. And essentially what that is, you have one voice in your head that always says you can do it, you can go for it, nothing's gonna stop you, you know, the sky is the limit. Um, and that's really that, that inventive creator voice, the one that's very imaginative, and has all these ideas of, of all the amazing things you're gonna do. No one can stop you. You secretly know that you're better than everyone else. You secretly know <laughs> you can lift the heaviest weights. You just don't want to, but you could if you wanted to. Um, and then you've got this other voice that is the voice of pessimism, the, mm -hmm. the, the no voice. It's like, that is never gonna work. This is gonna fail. This is always gonna completely collapse. And these two voices are always at war with one voice, um, that internal voice being like, you can do it, no one can stop you. And the other voice being like, you're gonna fail. This isn't gonna work. And so how are decisions made? Decisions are typically made by the third voice, which is the voice of your parents, your, your teachers. And I call this the mentor. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to control the mentor because the mentor is the one that's gonna be adding in phrases that teachers and people that you look up to have said to you in the past. And these, this mentor is the one that is going to regulate it. So they always say you're the sum of the six people you spend the most time with. I like to think of that in a, in a little bit more specific method as the mentor is trained by the voices you hear the most often. So if you're, you're always hanging around with people that are like, you suck, you're going to fail, you're never going to do anything, your mentor learns that and the no voice is the one that has power. If your mentor, uh, has, your internal mentor has been trained with very smart, practical applications. Like, 
you know, I can lift that weight. No, you can't. You're going to drop it. And then the mentor's like, actually, it is possible to lift it as long as you make sure that you have a solid foundation and your back's in the correct position, <laughs> right? And then, then suddenly you're like, oh, I can lift this weight and I can make it happen. Um, funny enough, I'll, I'll do my own plug. I actually wrote a book on this entire subject called Brain Hacking, uh, How to Rewire Your Mind to Have It Also. If, if anyone wants to read more in depth about the book that I wrote about this subject, then, then you can read about it. Um, however, and this is where it gets really, into it, really interesting, uh, which is with what you're saying is intuition, I would identify as the fourth entity that does not have a voice. And this is the entity that is the most important component, which is the entity of you. And um, I, I, I love this yep. exercise. It's a, it's a really fun exercise, Eric. And I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've played it with you, but <laughs> you, you might enjoy this. So if I say to you, um, if, if, if we were to ask what part of your body is you, what part of your body is you? Like if, if you had to pinpoint where you are. Where I am. Yeah, I where do you live in your body? In my brain. Is where I, I live. So a lot of people think of it. I want you to hear the phrase, in my brain. So you own your brain. Yes. So your brain can't be you. Good point. Because you even think of it as something you own. <laughs> no, no, but I own my brain. Yeah. Okay, well then what is you? And it doesn't matter what you think of in your body, you own it. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you in internally do not believe that any individual part of your body is you, you are therefore your body. But it's still yep. your body, so you've still got to be something else. And this is one of the most uh, uh, language-based yep. um, arguments for the soul, that mm -hmm. the soul believes the entire body belongs to it. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, uh, right, yep. so I am my soul, and my soul owns my brain, my soul owns my body, my soul owns these things. I am something else, right? Um, and so that's something that's really worth, really worth considering. Anyway, the point is, that fourth entity, the you part of you, doesn't have a voice in your head. The other three voices have voices, but the you component mm -hmm. doesn't have a voice. And, and the reason I, I love this is because I, I believe, and why I believe you're hinting, that, that last one is you. The intuition, that's, right. that's the you part. And what's really fascinating about this, and I, I do cover this in the book, but I'm going to share it because it's a great opportunity. <laughs> if I were to grab a knife right now, I don't have one, thankfully, but if I had a knife and I threw it at you at this distance, mm -hmm. the correct thing to do would be your body would experience a fear response. Mm -hmm. Adrenaline and cortisol would both flood the system. Adrenaline would give you the energy to move fast, be strong, and cortisol is the stress chemical that says there's a problem, we need to act. And upon the introduction of cortisol and adrenaline in your body, you will lose access to slower thinking or the cortex and problem solving. So the minute that stress kicks in, you no longer have the ability to solve problems. And all communication drops down, all decision-making drops down to only the three voices. And the reason for this is, as the knife flies towards you, you don't want to be like, huh, known Adam a long time. <laughs> that knife is probably traveling at about 22 miles per hour with a trajectory that's on its route to hit my throat. Knowing Adam, however, it's probably a prank knife and you're dead, right? <laughs> you can't think about that, it's too slow. You don't have the ability to think, so instead, you have the yes voice, the no voice, and the mentor. And the yes voice is like, grab it and stab him with it, right? And the no voice is like, ah, we're gonna die. And then the mentor is like, if the mentor has been trained, the mentor's like, yes, you can grab the knife. 
move your hand behind the knife, move it towards you, catch it, and then throw it, or use your arm to deflect it, whatever you've been trained to do. The training kicks in because the mentor is a trained voice, mm -hmm. and the mentor can act faster than you. Now, let's make a much more likely scenario. Uh, actually, just as unlikely because it's me, but somebody says, you're in an argument with somebody, and the other person says, you're a horrible human being, and the, the verbal assault has now triggered adrenaline and cortisol. You're now angry and, and you're, in a, you're in conflict. The minute that kicks in, we have the same chemicals because our body doesn't have a chemical to differentiate between being stabbed and being shouted at. There, there is no, you have cortisol and adrenaline, that's what you've got. Um, other chemicals, we have differentiations, right? Like, so I can feel happy and love, and that's oxytocin, and I can feel happy I have a donut, and that's dopamine. And, and I have two different chemicals, and I can feel the difference. If, if you train yourself, you can't feel the difference in the chemicals, but I can definitely monitor the chemicals. But if I scream and shout at you, or attack you with a knife, we, we look at it and we cannot see a difference. Right. Like, oh, you have cortisol and adrenaline, we know something bad's happening, but that's all we know. What I love about this, is in that argument, I'm not actually arguing with you. Right. I'm arguing with the yes voice, the no voice, and the mentor. I never get to hear you. I'm actually arguing with everybody you've ever spoken to or argued with in the past, but I'm not arguing with you. You're not allowed in the argument. You're not allowed in the room because you've lost access to that problem-solving component that can argue until you calm down. And this is why, and I guarantee you, everyone in the room has experienced this, <laughs> you walk away from the argument after you go, I know what I should have said. Right. Because you, at that moment, had a reduction of cortisol and adrenaline enough that your brain is like, oh, we're gonna go off of autopilot, which is, I like to think of three dudes on a, on a, on a ship, and they don't, don't disturb the captain, he's sleeping. You know, like, it'll take too long to get him. We can solve this ourselves. Turn right, turn left. Wait, captain said always turn right when there's a problem, right? You know, like, yeah, that, that's, that's how I envision it. And then when the, the crisis is averted, they're like, right. all right, now let's tell the captain. Hey, captain, we turned right. And the captain's like, good job, that's what I wanted you to do, right? Um, and so what I like about this, and, and you know, and I'm totally stealing this because I, I do love it and it's great. I know. Um, is the you is the intuition. Right. And you can differentiate the voices from you by only making decisions when you're alone, relaxed, calm, very present, and really thinking about what you're doing. It was funny. I was talking to, I was talking to Eve uh, the other day, obviously my, my wife and my vice mm -hmm. president. And um, what I love about it is we had a very, very productive day of work. And it was because I felt very relaxed and free. And so I was tackling tasks that I've put off for months because I felt I had the mental bandwidth to do it. Right. And it was the captain of my ship that was very present in my company that day, running around and, and doing really cool stuff that my three voices can't tackle. Yes. But yes. The, minute I'm, I, the minute I've got someone be like, you know what, I don't like that. I'm like, great. <laughs> you saying that exact thing has now dropped me into cortisol. Mm -hmm. I now only have reactive, and right. I'm, I have a very well-trained mentor. I've Because that's what my book's about, is training your mentor mm -hmm. to be correct. So I train my mentor, my mentor makes good choices, but my mentor cannot do, my automatic responses are not as good as right. the creative version of me that only exists in relaxation and love and happiness and freedom. Mm -hmm. And that version of me is that much better, which I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, 
that's intuition. That is. That is. And it's, it's the point. You all have had this. I know this. You're in the shower, and all of a sudden you come up with something really amazing. That right there is you getting into your creative spot and being able to calm yourself down. You don't have phone calls. You don't have text messages. You don't have any of that stuff going. You're just in yourself, and you can differentiate all those other stupid voices and like, oh, that's what I need to do. No, I, I love it. And uh, I, this is I mean, and this is why I love having Eric on, because Eric's not normally the kind of person we get on the podcast, but Eric's somebody I really resonate with because it's actually at the root of everything I do is, is, is my book and, and, and what I'm all about, which is this. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that you said a hot shower. Um, the reason being the cortisol chemical, maintaining and manage, managing and monitoring cortisol should be, as far as I'm concerned, the number one priority of everybody in life. And I will tell you why I am a self-professed expert in managing cortisol. And it is not because I've studied it at school. It's not because I hired the head of psychology from the University of Oakland, California for a private week-long training to learn about cortisol and its impact on the body. It's not the fact that I've read countless books on the subject. It is the fact that my son was born without the ability to generate it. And so I have five children and my fourth child has no cortisol, has none. And on one hand, you would think that's amazing because I have a child that cannot stress, cannot stress. Wow. On the other hand, he has to take medication every eight hours on the dot or he drops into a coma and dies. I want you to imagine that your son has a ticking clock that is eight hours long. And at the end of every eight hours, you give him medicine or you have one hour until he falls asleep forever. And that's what it's like having a child with our condition. And it's been like that since day one. So I am an expert in cortisol because I have lived with this every single day for the last eight years. And I don't make it a big deal on social media because to me it's managed. We understand it and we get it. But it's also awesome because when he was three, I would take him to haunted houses and um, you turn up at the haunted house. We, we live in, uh, in Austin. We have the top five haunted houses in all of America. I love haunted houses. We don't have them in England, so I love them. So I took my three-year-old, and we go into the haunted house, and they're like, oh, um, he's a bit young. I'm like, is there an age restriction? And they're like, no. I was like, he's fine then. And they're like, no, it's very scary. I was like, no, he's going to be fine. He can't be scared. And they're like, <laughs> I don't think you understand. It's really scary. I was like, no, I don't think you understand. He is incapable of fear. And uh, they're like, okay, whatever. And as we go in, they're like, hey, we're going to really try and scare your kid. I'm like, you can try if you want. This isn't going to go well for you. And uh, so we go into the White House and the first room, it's like a mansion. And this, uh, they, like a, a person drops like in this hung and they're like reaching out. And my kid sort of watches. I was like, oh, that's cool. Look, they had a piano. And starts playing on the piano in the room. And there were like the monsters are jumping out at him. He's like, look at this. Isn't this cool? Hi. And he's just like this playing the piano. And they're like, oh, your kid's not scared. I'm like, no, he's really not scared of anything. And we go through the haunted house. And as we go through, there's like this, this evil woman. And she's got like a dead fetus, you know? And she's like, am I scary? Because they're playing with him now. You know, am I scary? And he's like, no, you're ugly. <laughs> and just like that. And she's like, oh, like, ow, that hurt, you know? And, so, and then at the very end, they have Leatherface jumps out with a chainsaw. And he's a huge dude, you know? Even I'm like, God, that guy's big and he's got a big chainsaw. And he ran up to my son. And he's like, ah. And my son goes, no. Shh. 
Just like this. Just no. He's three. Uh, meanwhile, my nine-year-old was terrified. This very three. But so living without cortisol is unique because my son can always problem solve. And uh, you get moments like right. um, like yesterday, we, we had to punish him pretty badly because his behavior hasn't been the best. And so he was supposed to go on a trip and we took the trip away from him. And it was a really big trip. And he was really excited about it. He really mm -hmm. wanted to go. And he goes, oh, okay, I understand. Oh, there's always next time. Can you imagine punishing a kid by taking <laughs> away the thing they want? And he's like, oh yeah, that sucks. I understand though, I've been bad. Next time though, hey. And he's like, wow. That was not the effect I wanted to see on your face. But like, he just, yeah, that, I understand. Yeah, I clearly, I clearly messed up. Sorry, dad. Yeah, you know, I'll try and behave better next time. Or like, uh, you're grounded, right? You're grounded for a week. You know, could have been a month, right? <laughs> God damn, you're so positive. Like, there's no, there is no negative in this child. Like, everything's just like, eh, could be worse. No, you know? exactly. You know, if I'm like, you know, you can't eat any snacks. You know, at least I can eat food. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, there's nothing. How frustrating for you. Right, yeah, terrible, <laughs> terrible. But it's good because it teaches you no point being frustrated with him. Um, but what I love about this is think about this as a business owner and ask yourself, yeah. How many times have you made a decision when you're stressed? How many times have you had an argument where you're in conflict with somebody? How many times have you made a decision because an inside voice said something and you made the mistake of thinking that's you? As opposed to thinking, am I in cortisol right now? Do I have cortisol in my system? If I do, no. what can I do to reduce the cortisol, bring back my intuition, yeah and make a decision based on that higher level, because now you're playing in a different field. Now you're only making better decisions. Um, and we, we actually, the reason we do this, obviously I own a dating company, we teach this heavily in dating, Absolutely. to never have an argument in cortisol, yep. instead to state to the other person, hi, I'm so sorry, I'm in cortisol right now, you mean so much to me, but I can feel that I'm not making good communication would you give me a few minutes? I'm gonna go and have a hot shower. You trigger this from the hot shower. I'm gonna have a hot <laughs> shower because the heat from a shower will trigger endorphins, which is one of the chemicals that neutralizes like an antidote to cortisol. Um, and a trigger warning, I, I'm gonna say this because it's gonna go like, trigger warning, um, if, if you are triggered by self-harm, you may not wanna hear what I say next, but there is a lot of evidence to suggest that self-harm is actually an endorphin trigger that somebody has learned to trigger for themselves as a way to reduce stress in the system that, um, that is an, a method they can control. Sure. Because you can always secretly cause uh, physical self-harm, which will trigger endorphin releases, which will counteract the stress hormone. And I believe, and, and the, the person that I, I, I hired to teach me this, I believe if this was more well-known and there was no shame around self-harm and there was no um, blame going with it, and instead we recognize that this is an endorphin release and that endorphin release has a very real functional solution to reducing cortisol, methods can be made to educate someone that if they wish to find an alternate method of endorphin release, there are alternate methods. Not to put shame around what they're doing, but right. to be like, hey, there are other solutions if you want them. And, and I believe, and, and my mentor in the subject believes that that would be a, a great step into solving that. But what I like about it is as a human is recognizing that cold plunges, hot, uh, hot pools, um, uh, physical exercise, fitness, uh, boxing, 
uh, virtual reality, anything where you are physically causing yourself exertion, which will trigger an endorphin release, will reduce these stress levels. And only five minutes of that right. will bring you back to a state where you can now communicate without cortisol. You can now move into a discussion with your loved one and say, I am so sorry about the cortisol trigger earlier, yep. and I love you, and I have either clearly upset you or you have clearly upset me, wherever the situation is. Um, we have a problem, and I would love us to attack the problem together. If you're open to it, the two of us against that problem, even if it's something I did, like, can you please work with me so we can resolve this? Because my intention and outcome is one where the two of us are together and have solved this. Um, and I understand, you know, and, and that's like a way of doing it, but this works so well in business mm -hmm. where you can trigger that intuition to come back. Absolutely. With a five minute hot shower, yeah. which is. Well, it, it's either that or just, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is like, get up from the desk and walk away because you've got so much stuff going in your brain. You are starting to trigger yourself as well. Just by doing that, you're creating your own stress. By like, oh, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got these six emails to do. Get up. Take five minutes, like you said, and go do something. Well, I mean, and, and you, you know, there's so much more. I love what you're saying about the desk as well, because at your desk, you get, you know, and you're doing mm -hmm. some, and you go, bing, bing, bing. Like, every time you receive an email or a notification, even a number popping up on a little box on the right. screen reminding you there's something to do, it is a thought pattern interrupt right. that is a trigger to take action. Right. And anytime we're triggered to take action, we respond to it with adrenaline and cortisol mm -hmm. because cortisol is the let's take action chemical. Right. And so cortisol isn't, like I said, my son doesn't have it and we have to give him it to help him survive. So it's not like, well, if we didn't have cortisol, life would be great. I'm telling you, I know for a fact it would be terrible. Mm -hmm. You have to have that stress chemical. Um, you know, earlier on, we did a podcast. Uh, with Rachel Miller about the importance of a bear chasing you. And I didn't want to deviate <laughs> that podcast into this, but the reality is that bear triggers a cortisol release, right. which is a take action chemical. <laughs> but it's also worth knowing that when you have the take action chemical, you have reactive thinking going on. So it's really important that, that you get out of the reactive thinking where we can only hear the voices in our head and wake up this other voice that can only come up in calm. And so we have to use cortisol in waves and use it productively in what it's supposed to be for as opposed to a constant reaction. But you're going to get that reaction from notifications on a computer. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Moving out of that, going into nature, taking a moment to take some fresh air outside and remove yourself from the stressful scenario is going to, is going to help get you there. Right. When one of the things you were talking about is teaching your mentor. Yeah. Teach your mentor these things. I guarantee you most of you go, you know, most of you all don't know these things, mm -hmm. what Adam was just talking about, but teaching that mentor, and that's where all of this stuff comes from, is your ability to go. We all consume so much information in a day. 38 gigs is, I think, what we, we uh, or 38 megabytes is what we consume every day. And sleep allows that to catalog in our brain. So these experiences that you have, now you can take and leverage that to teach your mentor the things that you need in order to like, hey, I need to get up. I'm not in a good headspace right now. I got to walk up and walk away. Having the ability to really think about, hey, I don't want to have a, an argument with my wife. I need to walk away for a minute. Yep. And being able to do that. Dude, so. I, I, you know, I love it. And, and also like, it, it's cool as well. We, we had this discussion in our, in our office yesterday morning 
about the hierarchy of our company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there isn't really a hierarchy in our company. I want everyone to be able to be accountable up and down. Mm -hmm. So I explained to one of my staff members, um, if you see me, vice president or anyone else not hitting a KPI we're supposed to be hitting, I would like you to call us out publicly. Like we need to be, that needs to be spoken about. Right. I want, I'm illustrating my KPIs as much as I'm illustrating yours. And I'm going to call you out publicly if you don't hit it. Not because I'm your boss, but because I'm your teammate. And if right. you fail to hit your KPI, now the next person's KPI can't be hit. And this has a knock-on effect. We are rowers in a boat and we all have one oar. And no oar is more important than any others. Right? It doesn't, doesn't right. matter. Like I, I don't have a bigger oar. So if I don't row, the boat doesn't move. But right. same with yours. Are we going to go in a circle? We're not going right, in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we all have to pull in the same direction. And that's why I think, you know, to your point, it's super important that um, in a company, we have this clear discussion as well. And we can say, hey, there's no attack going on. There's no blame here. Um, but you're missing your KPI. And that's a problem or vice versa. I'm missing my KPI. And I really want to be called out. Right. Well, but the thing that you've done is create a safe space too, yeah, for them to be able to do that because nobody wants to be called on their their stuff. Right. Yeah. Know? As long as they don't disagree with me, it's fine. Right. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Well, that's the way uh, I look at it too. Yeah. But no. I, yeah. And it, it's so important to do that. But like as a business owner as well, you got to recognize if you're triggering cortisol in employee, that's going to cause problems. Like actually, I have one employee who I love, and the minute you critique their work, they get cortisol, and so giving them critiques really difficult. And so we have to not critique when they present their work and instead just be like, oh my God, this is great. You did a great job. Um, let's go away and look at it. We'll come back to you later. And then we go back to them afterwards and we're like, hey, this all looks great. There's some tweaks we'd like to make. Right. Can you make the following tweaks? Um, and that can, that can help. Uh, yeah. But that's something, again, for the employee, and we talk to them all the time, we're like, you got to work on this. Like, it's really inefficient for us to have to go away and then come back to you because in any instant critique is met with a complete shutdown of all communication, and now we can't get anything done. But good for you to recognize that situation right there to be able to help them and help the business as well. Thanks. Right. And we've told them, like, uh, we do a guaranteed pay rise every year, but we've told them there's a bigger pay rise when that problem solved. Right. Because when that problem solved, our, that whole department becomes really efficient, right. and we don't have to give it as much attention. And, I'm, and I've said to them all the time, I'm like, it's not bad enough that we're going to fire you over it, but it's not where we want it to be. Right. And as the rest of the company grows, you'll either end up with a boss above you where we hire somebody else to run your department and you work for them, or you'll be the boss and we'll hire somebody under you. So but it's on you where you end up in the company, right? right? You don't suck, but, but right. this is something that has to be fixed. And that's, and that's really important to have that understanding all the way across your company that you're, you're there to help each other. And that's you know, the problem that we... I've seen across numbers of companies is they just don't get it. Yeah. They don't take care of the people. Adam's doing a great job. They're like, here, this is the thing. These are the expectations. These are the KPIs that we're going to use around measurement. And I'm going to hold you accountable and you accountable and you accountable and me accountable. And we're going to have all of that stuff and then be able to have a discussion when they're being exceeded and when they're not being exceeded. Love it. Dude, yeah, absolutely. So my question to you is, why are they coloring pictures inside your book? Because it's a way to take your brain away from thinking. It's the creativity piece and getting you into that. I love and it. And so every seven days, there's a new coloring picture. I love it. So it's just something that, you know, I've in, in my research and the things that I've done with, my, with a lot of my people, it's that coloring that gets you, helps you get in that creative space 
to be able to pull your brain away from all the stuff that's distracting. And yeah. you know, as you were talking about earlier, that's where the that's where the genius really lies in decision making around business is getting that creative space and sticking out, take, stay away from the cortisol, but having that mindset of like, I got to do this. Dude, this yeah. is easy. I love this. So, um, you know, we're getting towards the end. If people want to learn more about you, where do they go? How do they, how do they get one of these books? What should they do? So they can go to smart.ghsdgroup.com and there's a page that's got this up on it. Perfect. Specifically for this event. So thank you. And that leads to all of my little things. So yes, dude, I love that. Absolutely. That's fabulous. And then, um, we always ask everybody, what is one thing that you think smart businesses do? Well, we just talked about it. Use their intuition. <laughs> dude, I absolutely love that. Um, I want to remind everyone here, thank you ever so much for listening. Once again, this episode is brought to you by workingvacation.com. If you want to learn how to get rid of your cortisol and get a whole bunch of work done at the same time, working vacation is one of the best ways to do it. Because every single day, not only will you be focused on the task that you're doing, we can actually move a big chunk of your company forward, whether it's writing a book, building a website, creating a new product, getting your social media done, launching a podcast, whatever it is. You also are going to get time to network, socialize, hang out, even bring your family on the vacation and actually experience what it's like to be productive and free at the same time, which, as I know, when I lecture at the University of Texas in Austin, is the number one thing all young entrepreneurs want. They become entrepreneurs not to become rich, but to become free. And unfortunately, many business owners get caught in that uh, nine to five, but it's actually more like nine to nine working for yourself trap where you never take any free time. We found the working vacation is a great solution to that. Check it out. If it's right for you, we'd love to have you. Um, once again, thank you all for listening. That's it for another episode of Smart Businesses Do This. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.